climate change, poverty, mental health, young people and adults face a world of constant change. It's the connections we make, innovations and education that come together to help us make a difference. Welcome to the power of young people to change the world. In this program, we bring together leaders that share stories designed to inspire you to serve, learn, and change the world. Now, here's your host, Amy Muirs. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm your host, Amy Muirs. I'm here every Thursday on Voice America Empowerment Radio, where we explore how young people are using their ideas, creativity, and passion to shape a better world, and how educators are utilizing the power of service learning to redesign education. Today's show, I'm joined by Whit. Uh, Whitney Westbrook, Christopher Roslow, Luke Armeo, and Zach Leitz. So they're college students who are tackling a huge issue, homelessness. So just in the United States alone, there's an estimated more than half a million people who are experiencing homelessness on any given night. That's approximately 17 people in every 10,000. Staggering numbers. And when we look worldwide, we're talking about an estimated 150 million people. And again, the numbers are staggering, but how we view and communicate about homeless people within society can really impact how we work together to generate public support for long-term solutions. And that's what we're going to really focus on today. So Chris, Whitney, Zach, and Luke are each leading on this issue through the Backpack Project which we're going to learn more about. But first, I would love for each of you to introduce yourselves to our listeners and tell us a bit about how about what you do when you aren't working in the back with the backpack project. So Chris, I thought we'd Christopher, I thought we'd start with you. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Amy, for having us today. We're really excited to to be here and to talk about the backpack project. I'm a rising junior at the University of Georgia where I study international affairs. Um, outside, so that, that's in Athens, uh, Georgia, and outside of my time with the Backpack Project, I'm a big runner, uh, I'm a big soccer player, I enjoy reading, um, pretty, pretty normal things, I, I would say, for a college student. Wonderful, thanks. Thanks for being here. How about you, Whitney? Yeah, absolutely, um, and I'll just echo Chris and saying thank you so much for having us. It's a real pleasure to be here. Um, I'm a rising senior at the University of South Carolina. Um, I study international relations and legal studies there. Um, I'm also big into running and playing soccer, um, but I also love serving others in the community, which is a major reason that I got involved with the Backpack Project in the first place. That's awesome. So we have some runners in the crowd. Zach, how about you? Are you a runner? <laughs> Not even close. If you have a word for the uh, for the opposite of that, that, that would be me. But uh, <laughs> But yes, thank you for having us here. I'm, I'm Zach. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, grew up in Georgia. Uh, went to UGA uh, with uh, with Chris and Luke. And uh, that's where I met a lot of the core people who would uh, become the Backpack Project later on. I am really into the Find Me uh, or Out on the River. <laughs> out on the River, which is where you, you're coming to us from Montana. Um, we yep. interrupted... <laughs> probably prime hiking season, I'm guessing. No. <laughs> not at all, not at all. <laughs> and Luke, how about you? And uh, as everyone said, thank you so much for having us. Um, so I'm Luke Armeo. I'm from uh, Akron, Ohio, but um, I've been in Georgia for the past uh, four years. Um, so I'm a graduate student at the University of Georgia studying artificial intelligence. Um and I work in uh, the UGA Developmental Dynamics Lab. Uh, we work with mostly infants and children. Um, and I, I'm also a runner, but I actually do uh, triathlons in my free time. <laughs> so we've got so we've got our runners and um, triathlete triathletes and mountain climbers. <laughs> a very active group here. Zach, I'm going to circle back to you. Um, and can you tell us? Um, what need did you see that inspired you to create the backpack project and kind of how, and have you always had this passion for service? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, uh, I was just saying that, uh, 
I wouldn't say I've necessarily always had a, a passion for service. I think it began in high school. Uh, my parents signed me up to volunteer one summer for an organization called Angel Flight Soars. Um, and when they first told me about it, I was real mad that they decided to give up my summer for, uh, for volunteering in an office. But after the first day, I was absolutely hooked and I fell in love with their mission and their executive director, uh, Janine Chambers, just taught me so much about what it means to be in the nonprofit world and impact your community. So she was a huge inspiration. Um, and, and I think a lot of those experiences carried over when I graduated from high school and went to Athens for the University of Georgia for college. Um, you know, one of the first things I noticed while living there is there's a really significant population of unhoused individuals there. And, you know, it's not something that I was exposed to as much when I was growing up. And so, you know, it really caught my attention. And, you know, I realized that, uh, you know, I may not know these people, but they're not exactly strangers. They're, they're neighbors in my town and they're really just friends that I haven't made yet. And so I figured, you know, there's got to be something we can do to help. And, and I think that's where the inspiration came from. I love friends I haven't made yet. And what a amazing way to think about um, the people that are right outside our doors, right? Like, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Luke, how about you? What inspired you to address this issue of homelessness in your community? Kind of what did you notice in Athens? Or, And I'd love to hear about the attitudes among your fellow students. Um, so like Zach, I uh, started volunteering with um, some nonprofits in high school. Um, one organization I worked with was particularly involved with a uh, encampment community in Akron, Ohio, um, where I, I went to high school. Um, and that community was really interesting in particular. They were homeless. Like everyone in charge was homeless. Um, so it was homeless governed and run for the homeless. And they really were making a difference. Like um, I've never seen that many people uh, successfully, you know, leave the cycle of homelessness. Um, and I was kind of upset with the negative attitudes that some people in the city had towards it. So I ended up doing a, a short film um, on, it was called Second Chance Village. Um, and I've been, you know, working with, uh, in the nonprofit industry ever since. So when I came to Athens, I was already interested uh, in, in making a difference. Um, but I ended up getting involved with TVP. Uh, and after a year working for the Vacca Project Incorporated, um, we kind of started over the Vacca Project Athens, our chapter in Athens. Um, so when I first came to Athens, it's kind of obvious uh, to everyone that, you know, homelessness is an issue. You see a lot of people downtown. Um, but I think I've always been interested in encampment communities in particular. Um, and I was really amazed by how prevalent they are in Athens, um, which I think is notable because it's almost an invisible sort of homelessness. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of homelessness, but not everyone is, is on the streets. Um, so early on uh, with starting TVP Athens, we got pretty involved with the encampment communities um, and have, you know, built a lot of relationships and, and built some trust with them. Um, and as far as you, you uh, were asking about attitude from mm -hmm. fellow students, um, I think I've been surprised by some attitudes. I think in general, um, people are pretty supportive. Obviously, you know, I do hear a lot of people saying things like they should just get a job um, and things like that. And I uh, usually try to explain to people, like I, I try to lay out the situation people are in and say, for example, you know, imagine if you're fortunate enough um, to get a job, which is already, you know, pretty difficult in that situation. Uh, and imagine getting to work every day, how you'll get there, how you'll shower before work. And then what if your stuff is stolen during the day? What if there's a storm? What if you get injured? Um, and you have to maintain that for, you know, five plus months to get enough money to, you know, save for a place. And that's difficult in the first place. Um, so, yeah, I think when I, when you lay out all those obstacles like that, it's, it's really obvious to see that uh, it's, if you make it out of homelessness, you're not the majority. You're really like an exception to the rule. It's not something that you can just muscle your way out of, um, but something that needs like systemic change. Uh, if people are going to find a way out. Um, and so, yeah, I think once I've explained that to people, um, they really do have positive uh, attitudes towards it. Yeah, it's attitude is such like how, how we approach the issues, right? Um, as and, and can really address those systemic issues. We need we need the right attitudes in order to do that. 
Chris, how about, um, can you tell us about the Backpack Project's focus um, on college towns um, and kind of explain to our listeners the town-gown divide? Absolutely. And and it's going to build off of what Luke was just talking about in terms of attitudes, I think. Um, So so the Backpack Project, as a little bit of context, um, is run by students. Uh, The Backpack Project, Inc. is run by students at the University of Georgia. And we have chapters in different places. You'll hear from Whitney in just a second, who's um, the president of our chapter at the University of South Carolina. Luke is the president of our chapter at the University of Georgia. Um, So so we we focus in college towns. And the reason that we do that um, is because Zach was a student when he started uh, the Backpack Project. Um, But also being a student is interesting because you come to a new place and uh, you're in a new community. And and so, you know, the the question is, how can you, you have this bubble of being on a college campus. um, And sometimes it feels like there's a real big divide between that bubble and the town community. And what are some ways to form relationships and be active in your community? Um, And there's a lot of desire for connection, both from students uh, and from the town side in terms of that. And so that's where Backer Project sees itself fitting is, is trying to, you know, help help students and the homeless community um, come into greater connection. I love that. Um, so that's, that's a great um, intro to Whitney as well. So Whitney, um, what inspired you to take up this work in Columbia and um, what was, what need did you see there? Yeah, so um, in the intro, I mentioned that I'm a runner and running was how I explored my new home when I uh, moved to Columbia, South Carolina. So if you take a few steps off of USC's campus, you'll be confronted pretty quickly with another face of Columbia, um, which is that of homelessness. And so I just began to see the sharp divide between the resources and the wealth on my own campus um, and the lack of resources and poverty that so many of our neighbors experience, which is exactly what Christopher just explained as the town gown divide. Um, and so I learned about TBP's work my sophomore year, and there was some talk about expanding to other campuses. And so I quickly agreed to be the tri- like the trial chapter, I guess, of sorts. Um, and I saw this my opportunity to start addressing some of the issues that I had been seeing since I moved to Columbia. Um, and in addition, I saw it as an opportunity to sort of bridge the gap between the USC student body and then the community that we call home, because USC is not the only thing in Columbia. Um, and I think a lot of people forget that when we're living in our on-campus bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, uh, wanted to, I had a, I guess it also informed a long-term goal, which is probably a need at USC. I want TBP Columbia to help this paradigm, sh- paradigm shift take place on campus, making students get involved with service activities that they really care about, um, that excite them and that they see themselves being engaged with long-term so they can actually bring about, uh, whatever change they think needs to take place. Um, so my aim with TBP Columbia is fostering a culture of listening before acting when it comes to service. So basically the two needs I saw were a need to address the issue of homelessness right at USC's doorstep, but also a need to alter the culture of service. I love that. So listening before service and within the service learning context, we, we call, we talk about investigation, right? So like really understanding the issue. And part of that is um, understanding who you're serving um, and serving with, not for. So I appreciate that so much. Thanks, Whitney. Absolutely. So we do have to take a brief pause. And then when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Zach, Whitney, Chris, Luke, and Zach. So stay with us. We'll be right back. us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. listening to the power of young people to change the world with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Um, if you're just joining us, I am here with Whitney, Christopher, Luke, and Zach, and they are tackling homelessness through the Backpack Project. So we're going to um, circle back and talk more about what that is. Um, so, Zach, tell us about um, the history of the Backpack Project, um, how you decided to start it with backpacks, and what was that first distribution like? Certainly, yeah. So the beginning of the Backpack Project was back in about 2015. I was a freshman at the University of Georgia. And like we had talked about, there was a really clear need. What what was much less clear was, was the solution, you know, because I was about 17 years old, didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a lot of resources or training, but, but I saw this problem and I really wanted to do something, just didn't see the best way how I could help. And, uh, and that question stumped me for a little while until I stumbled across one solution, um, which was I just saw a video on YouTube of a, uh, of a couple who would pack these backpacks filled with supplies uh, and share them with unhoused people in their community. And that struck me like a bolt of lightning when I saw it because, you know, I realized that is something tangible that, that I can do in my community that I think would be great. And so, you know, upon, upon realizing that, called up some friends and family, we were able to raise about $400 and that was enough for the first 20 backpacks. And so, you know, my sister and I went out and got supplies at all the Goodwills and Dollar Trees in town. Um, and we put together the first crew uh, of backpacks and we took them out to the streets of Athens. You know, we would walk around, uh, we would walk up to people, introduce ourselves, uh, you know, say that we got some backpacks filled with food, clothes and toiletries um, and, and just ask if that's something that would be helpful to them. Uh, and almost invariably, the answer was yes. And, you know, we had an incredible experience. I'm so sorry. We're having we're having some technical difficulties with Zach. He is out um, in a mountainous region. Um, but I think what I would reiterate from from what he said was that idea of the the name to the face. Um, so we'll hopefully we'll have a little better signal from him. But Luke, can you um, tell us more about what the backpack project looks like today in Athens? Yeah. Um, so the backpack project of Athens started um, originally in 2017, um, but pretty much was scrapped uh, and started over my sophomore year. Um, I started over, uh, yeah, 2019. Um, and then, you know, we started with the backpack distributions, um, but it was really about trying to figure out, you know, what we could do other than backpacks, because that's uh, more t- what um, the Backpack Project Inc. was focusing on. Uh, so, we, yeah, we were, our goal was to think, what can we do uh, past this? How can we help people even more? Um, so we started with hygiene bags and we tried to distribute them downtown um, and ended up just having a lot of extras. So we had heard about um, an encampment community in Athens and 
we thought we might as well um, finally, you know, see if we could uh, contact them. Um, so we went there and just, you know, to give some context, sometimes uh, when people are experiencing homelessness, just for multitudes of reasons, they either can't or don't stay in shelters. So they might end up um, staying together in, in tent communities outdoors. Um, so, yeah, we went to the one we had heard about um, and ended up uh, having a really great experience, met some really great people um, and built some really great relationships. So we started uh, doing weekly meals um, and we do hot meals because we think that's just dignifying to actually bring mm-hmm. meals to where people are and, you know, that they're hot. I think it's something that people um, in that situation might not always get. Um, and that's kind of a vessel for us to start conversations and, and build a uh, relationship with our uh, relationships with our clients. Um, but from there, we uh, have kind of expanded and been trying to do um, more impactful things and like trying to make systemic differences. Um, so some things we do now, we distribute Narcan, uh, we distribute feminine hygiene products. Um, we So sometimes property owners want people to get off their land, which I mean, is terrible, like, but you know, it happens. And uh, we often have to help mediate that. Um, so for example, one camp we worked with was being pushed out. Um, and usually, you know, police might just come and tell them to leave day of. Um, but because we were working with them and had contacted the organization before, we were able to like give them some notice um, and help people like make plans uh, to leave. Um, so we've acted as a mediator between some community organizations uh, and even help people like relocate. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we do all kinds of things. Um, yeah. That sounds amazing. Um, I, it's, it's interesting. You said relationships with clients. So um, as you're working with this population, are you thinking of them as clients um, I wouldn't say so. I, yeah, I, I guess um, it's just a word we use sometimes. I think I would consider people more neighbors. Um, you know, we're all just in a community. Um, and, you know, they're just as much a part of the Athens community as I am. Um, so, I mean, uh, I just want, you know, everybody to be able to thrive in that community. Wonderful. Thank you. Whitney. Tell us what's happening in Columbia. Um, what does your distribution look like and um, how are you working to support your community neighbors? Uh, sure. So I'll preface this with saying how lucky I was from the beginning to have the support of both uh, TVP Incorporated and TVP Athens just to learn from people who have already done this. Um, but my first step was sort of gathering a few friends um, who I thought might be interested in getting involved in service within the homelessness community in Columbia. So I just got four friends to commit to taking on a bit more of a leadership role in the club. And then I just started texting everyone I knew, messages, group me, just trying to sort of put feelers out there for people who might be interested in getting involved with this type of service. Um, so the funny thing was that I actually started the backpack project in Columbia in March 2020, and I hadn't even been on campus that semester, like even before <laughs> COVID hit. So my next step was just basically cold emailing and calling different homeless service providers. And I did that because I wanted to start learning as much as I could about the homeless community in Columbia um, without actually being there. That seemed like the best option, considering I was not physically in Columbia and couldn't actually talk to houseless people themselves. Um, and building relationships with the people who serve them day in and day out is equally as important. Um, and so I hit some dead ends, but I also was very successful um, with some of the organizations that I contacted. Um, one of my longest and strongest relationships is with an organization called Mercy, um, and they've been wonderful. Um, they were willing to work with us in fall of 2020, unlike a lot of organizations in Columbia that just weren't really willing to add us to their place because um, they had stopped stretching street outreach during COVID to protect the homeless population, um, which is generally at greater risk. So we partnered with Mercy for our first two distributions that took place in fall of 2020. Um, the fall was a huge learning curve for us. It was me and a pretty small team trying out packings and distribution. Um, all in the midst of the first semester of COVID, our storage location was under my bed in my apartment. Um, but it was a lot of fun and we continued to build out the team, get more people involved, and then start to formulate a plan for what we wanted operations to look like in the future. 
Um, so then this past spring, I made uh, the organization official on campus, but I could recruit people who I otherwise wouldn't have known to recruit. Um, and that turned out to be a really good move. We packed double the amount of bags in about half the time in the spring, doubled our team, uh, got new people to sort of take on leadership roles in the club. We had a huge or a distribution that was huge by our standards of 150 backpacks with the United Way of the Midlands um, at their inclement weather shelter in February. And so it was just really cool to see the infrastructure that the city of Columbia has already set up surrounding homelessness, how we can fill uh, the gaps that are there. Um, but it's, the distributions are wonderful. People uh, that go to USC who are a part of the organization really enjoy them. The community partners are really grateful for the help and support. And most importantly, um, the houses individuals are grateful as well. So it's a really good experience for everyone involved. Very cool. I'm curious, what does Mercy do? So they, um, the organization or like the part of Mercy that we work with mostly is actually a youth drop-in center. So it's for okay. youth experiencing housing instability, um, sort of any other unstable factor in their life that that can be like a safe place for them to go. Um, and so they work largely with young people, which is really cool because a lot of them are the same age as uh, the, my fellow students at, the, at USC. Very, that's so peer-to-peer. We do have to take another quick break. Then when we come back, we're going to talk to Chris um, about um, TPT Inc. TBD, sorry, TBP Inc. <laughs> That's hard to say really fast. Um, and and how it separated um, from, from Athens. Um, so uh, we'll be right back after this quick break. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. Things Worth Considering, featuring host Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis, is a program that's all about connections. The connections we make with our families, our workplaces, friends, and others around us. It's also about connections to ourself, spirit, feelings, and stories. Let us connect with you each week to explore who we are and what we can be moving forward. We can overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Things Worth Considering airs live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Um, I just want to take a moment to thank um, the four of you for joining me um, here today. Um, the work that you're doing is so inspiring. Um, I do want to come back to you, Chris, um, and talk about TBP Inc. Um, and how did it separate from Athens? And where are you hoping to take this work? <laughs> you, don't, you don't know how many times I've gotten tripped up over trying to say that fast. <laughs> So, uh, it comes with, I comes appreciate with that. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. 
so TVP Inc. Is, is what Zach started back in 2015. Um, but it, it, it's become kind of the parent organization for chapters. And that's really where we're trying to go is saying, okay, there are these bubbles on college campuses across the Southeast, across the country. We have experience now distributing backpacks at scale. Let's see if we can you know, try this out and pop those bubbles in other college towns. So that's what's happened in, South, in Columbia, South Carolina with Whitney. Um, we're doing the same thing right now in Durham and Atlanta, hoping to go to uh, Savannah and um, other places in Georgia, maybe Nashville nearby soon. Um, and, and so that's really where we see the role of TP Inc. going is becoming an enabler where we let these chapters take first backpacks, building relationships with local uh, homeless shelters and other service providers as Whitney did um, and as our chapter in Durham has done and start there, but then really enable them to build out and see what's needed in their community um, and how can they you know, form those, college, those connections between college students and the homeless communities in college towns. So that, that enabling role looks like helping with fundraising, helping, you know, serve as a central kind of organizing network, providing kind of the institutional knowledge that we have from packing and distributing thousands of backpacks in a year. And then we do every year, we're actually doing um, an upcoming event in Atlanta in November called Homeless Heroes Day that we do every year where we pack over a thousand backpacks um, around Veterans Day. So, you know, continuing that and those kind of special programming, um, but really becoming this essential organization that enables uh, students on college campuses um, to have the space to figure out how um, they can form those relationships and those connections with homeless communities and their towns. Wonderful. And it's, um, I love that it's connected to um, our heroes because there's so many veterans that end up homeless. And so um, I'm excited about Homeless Hero Day. Whitney, what's kind of been the most rewarding part of this work um, for you? And what effects have you really seen um, in your community? Yeah, so the most rewarding part of working on the Backpack Project for me has been getting to respond to the needs of our neighbors at USC. Like, that sounds like an obvious answer, but that is really the most rewarding part. Um, before I established uh, the Backpack Project in Columbia, there was actually no organization based around uh, homeless services or anything of that sort on USC's campus, which is kind of surprising to me. Um, so with TVP, I feel like we're really filling a need that the homeless community has. Um, in addition to what I talked about earlier, just getting students involved with this issue so that starting, we can start to bridge the gap between USC students and our neighbors experiencing homelessness right outside of our campus. Um, I also love getting to work with new students who join. Um, and I can only imagine that in the first of a somewhat normal semester after COVID, students are gonna turn out in droves come August. Um, uh-huh. So it's exciting to see students from different cross sections of campus life coming together because they share an interest in serving their neighbors. Um, to speak a little to your question about seeing the effects of our work in the community, I would say that we see it and hear about it, which is pretty cool. Um, perhaps most obviously, I guess, I see our backpacks, especially the colorful ones that we packed in the spring semester. I literally see those around town all the time, um, which is great to that they're being used. Um, but I also hear about the impact of the work that TDP is doing. Um, I hear the gratitude from our clients when they receive the backpacks, the gratitude from our community partners like United Way and Mercy who interact with um, houses individuals on a day-to-day basis. Um, and they're grateful to have our presence in the Columbia community, which is cool. Um, and it's a really good feeling knowing that the Backpack Project holds valuable or holds a valuable spot in Columbia in the eyes of the people that we're serving, but also the people who serve them every day. That's a that's wonderful. Um, and you brought up the pandemic. So, so Luke, what challenges did the pandemic present to this work? How did you guys adapt um, during the last basically almost you know year and a half um, to make sure that you were meeting the needs of the of the population you're serving? Well, yeah, it's been a, a really crazy year. Um, from the start, uh, it was it was really difficult uh, because a lot of agencies that we partner with um, were not as active. Uh, so, I mean, for example, we have kitchen space that um, we're allowed to use for free that was cut off uh, mm-hmm. when when the pandemic started. So we had to scramble to find a new kitchen and like reset up all our, our supply networks. Um, I think the most dramatic effect it had on our work. Um, was 
in kind of disrupting our relationships with our clients because we did have to initially, you know, with all the uncertainty, we did take a break um, when, you know, the school sent everyone home and we didn't have volunteers anyways. Um, and it's difficult with the population we work with to um, go from consistent, like weekly distributions and meetings to um, stop that and expect people to be on the same schedule. Um, you really like can't have a week off uh, if you want people to keep expecting you. Um, so, I mean, especially, you know, people we've been working with uh, are moved pretty often as well. Um, so you, you start to lose track of people and it was definitely difficult uh, when we started up again to, um, you know, reestablish everything, but we, we decided to expand our street outreach team. And this was actually based off um, looking at the Athens city uh, work. They have hired um, someone to be the street outreach director of Athens uh, through a collaboration with advantage behavioral health systems. Um, and so they're actually in charge of going to camps and, and, you know, knowing everybody individually. So to expand on that model, we um, hired five more staff members um, just to focus on individual relationships with people that we work with. Um, and yeah, I mean, other than that, there's actually some surprising ways that the pandemic um, was beneficial for us. Uh, for example, um, you know, people were seemed to be donating more. Um, and surprisingly, we um, got a lot more volunteers because we were one of the only organizations uh, that offered volunteer events. But, you know, it was difficult because uh, we couldn't always have large volunteer groups and, and um, wanted to be safe. But um, it was difficult. But I think now uh, we're a lot better for it. Um, it made it makes it made all of us in the nonprofit world think differently about how we operate, and um, there are some some opportunities in that in those challenges. Thanks for sharing, um, Chris. I'm, I'd I'd love to part of service learning, um, which is is the strategy that NYLC really focuses on for advancing um, learning and leadership is that connection to, to, to the learning and the new skills development. Um, so you're leading, I'm curious both what's kind of been the challenges or the difficult part about leading um, in this work, but also what are the new skills that you've developed because of um, your leadership role? We, leadership is, is one of the biggest things that I think, um, or leadership and kind of the professional skills um, in a variety of ways, one of the biggest things that, that I've gained from working with the Backpack Project, and I think anybody who works with the Backpack Project um, does gain it in general. I think it's one of the cool things about the way the Backpack Project was set up when it was started and has continued is, is a pretty professional culture. So, for instance, with our TVP Inc. team, um, we have students uh, that are accounting majors at the University of Georgia that get to do, you know, handle our, our um accounting on, on a weekly and monthly basis. We have uh, communications and marketing students that get to work on our social media communications teams. Um, so so that, that's, I think, one of the biggest, you know, skills that can be gained from, you know, service learning is that, that service is at the forefront and always will be at the forefront. Um, but there are, you know, career-related skills that can be applicable to the nonprofit sector, can be applicable in other places. Um, that students have gained through our work. Uh, me personally, I've had to gain a lot of leadership skills um, just in terms of balancing, you know, different needs. I think I um, have been exposed to the fundraising challenges in the nonprofit sector, kind of as Luke was mentioning. Um, and so that's something that I'm continuing to work on. In terms of the most difficult part of being a leader I think uh, it's, it's the challenge that any student organization, be it high school, college, or otherwise, faces, and that's sustainability. Mm -hmm. Students come in, and they're at Georgia for four years. Leaders are maybe in their, in their roles for, of an organization for a year or two, and so being able to be sustainable over time is challenging. It's something that we really try to focus on, identifying our leaders when they are freshmen and sophomores on campus. Um, and and it's something that we're going to have to, you know, that we, you know, are building and are going to have to keep building in our chapters as they develop across campuses. Um, and, and so if any of your listeners have real great tips on, the, on how to uh, sustain organizations, we're always 
always open and always happy to share best practices from our end as well. Um, but that's something that I think is just inherent with any student organization, any youth effort, um, because maintaining relationships and maintaining um, you know, your presence in a community is important, but it's hard when those people change every year and every two years. And coming from a youth leadership organization, I can tell you that that challenge um, is even beyond just working on a college campus or in a high school environment. Um, that sustainability is hard. Um, email addresses change, right? Like <laughs> you go from a college or, you know, your your um, college email address. And um, so staying connected and creating that kind of network to pull from um, is a, it can be a challenge for a nonprofit as well. <laughs> so I completely empathize with you on that. Um, it's good to hear we're not the only ones. <laughs> you're not the only one. So we can talk offline about best practices. <laughs> um, Zach, we, I think we have you back now. Um, and uh, we do have to take a quick break. So I want to make sure that I circle back and, and give you enough time to talk. But maybe um, before we head to break, what effect has, has this work had on you? And then when we come back, I'd really like to talk more about kind of now versus then. So just um, in, in the minute or so before we had to break, listening to all of yeah. this, what, what are you thinking? Certainly. Well, you know, I think the main thing that I've learned is, is not to underestimate the, your power as an individual. Um, you know, it, a lot of things like money, resources, and training, they go a long ways. But, but at the end of the day, if you have some creativity and determination to make a difference, you, you can absolutely make that happen. Um, and, and I feel like especially as students, we often feel like we are kind of in waiting mode to enter the real world and that we're kind of, uh, you know, just in progress until we get there. But the biggest thing that the Backpack Project showed me is, is that we don't need to wait until we graduate from high school or college to start making a difference. If you have an idea, if you see a need or an opportunity, you can jump on that now. Even without a lot of money or resources to begin, you can do a lot as an individual. Yeah, that's absolutely the truth. So we're going to take one uh, last quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to get some final reflections. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Great. And I'm so excited um, about this conversation. And I'm just, um, I've been reflecting during our commercial break about our final minutes together. And I would really love to circle back with you, Zach. Um, Again, like you started this project um, 
when you think about looking back on where things were when you first started and everything that's happened today um, and thinking about advice for, for our young listeners who want to make a difference in their communities. Um, could you share more about your journey and what advice you have for our listeners? Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I can share some thoughts there. Is that, is that kind of the direction versus the, the then and now question? Yes. So when you look back um, from where you were, from where you started to where things are now, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, it, 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 it's kind of astounding, honestly, because when it began, there wasn't even an, an intention to create such a, uh, such a such a long term thing. It was really just a, a single a single project that was meant to be kind of a good deed. But what we found was it, it really created such a connection with people that we had to replicate it. And so, you know, it began with friends who recruited friends who recruited friends. Um, and, and now, like uh, like Chris and Luke were talking about, it, it's even reached the point where you know we've had folks that have graduated and we've had folks that have joined uh, that weren't even in college at the time that it began. And it's it's just been an incredible process to see how we have not only been able to engage students at various universities, but how we've really been able to connect with our neighbors and our communities. And, and that is so important at the end of the day. Um, you know, we, we've gotten to know a lot of the people that, that live in our towns in a way that we wouldn't have otherwise. Um, and, and I think that has just been such a special experience because we're now, you know, instead of kind of avoiding eye contact and walking the other way, we, we often find ourselves running up to folks, saying hi, seeing how they're doing. And that is just such a marked difference. I think that really is the mark of a community. And one of the unique pieces of it as well has been how the organization, how the mission has kind of evolved over time because, you know, it started with backpacks and backpacks are still a big part of what we do. But what we've learned is that there are so many needs in the community and we really want to try to address as many of them as possible. Uh, and so like Luke was talking about earlier, you know, particularly our chapters have done so much work in diving into some of those other needs and providing support in ways that include meals and tutoring for children and just countless different programs that are filling gaps in the community. And so that has been a really exciting process. And, and ultimately, you know, the, the advice is that there's nothing to make you think that you can't make a difference just because we are young and we're still learning. You know, I think that because we're young and we're still learning, we have so much creation and uh, or creativity, ideation, and determination to make things happen. And I think that we see the world in a slightly different way. And so don't be afraid to kind of jump on that when you have some ideas, when you see an opportunity, when you feel that calling, just know that there's nothing stopping you from going after that. And if you give it a shot, use the support of your friends, your family, uh, and it can really make a difference. Wonderful advice. Lean on, lean on our neighbors and our family. That's great. Christopher, I'm going to um, ask you, um, what advice do you have um, for our listeners as well? Mine was pretty similar to Zach's uh, in that I think, you know, as you're looking to make a difference in your community, like it sounds cliche, but don't lose sight of, of what you're trying to do. For instance, a lot of the stuff that I take care of for the Backpack Project I don't get to interact with those uh, individuals experiencing homelessness um, as much as I would, you know, like to. Um, and so the times when I get to do, as Zach said, go have a conversation with somebody or, um, you know, go, go with Luke and go to an encampment. Um, those are my favorite moments. And so don't, you know, I guess that, that would be my advice is, is don't lose sight of, of those moments of the real service um, that, you know, is, is engaging um, and is the reason why you're, why you're doing what you're doing. That connection, that connection. Whitney, how about you? Um, I don't want to sound like we're all echoing each other, but that I really feel like is such important advice. It doesn't matter who you are. If you see a problem in your community that you want to address, like just go for it. No, act, no action is insignificant. And I think uh, Zach put it, really well earlier in the show, like, you know, a lot of us are young and we are still learning and we don't 
maybe not have a bunch of money and resources, but there are ways that we can help that will make a huge difference and who knows what it will turn into. Awesome. Luke, you get the final word. I was going to say, I feel bad going last. I feel like, uh, let's see <laughs> if I have anything original to say. Um, but yeah, I mean, I pretty much wanted to say the same thing, really, just that um, it's you don't have to wait for an opportunity to fall into your lap. Um, you can just, you know, try right now to make a difference. Um, and, you know, for example, we started uh, in my kitchen doing meals and some weeks it was just me and, and my roommate at the time. Um, and we couldn't get any volunteers. Uh, and, and now we have 300 plus volunteers and our volunteer events fill up within an hour after we post them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we built a plane while we were flying it. Uh, and it was scary at times, but um, we just tried to set our own path uh, and, and keep moving forwards and, and just try to do the right thing. And um, it ended up working out. That's awesome. I love we all I think in the nonprofit world, we often build the plane while we're flying it. Um, Zach. Christopher, Whitney, Luke, I just want to thank you guys so much for joining me today, for sharing about this important work, for opening our eyes and our ears and our hearts um, to our neighbors. Um, I really am just inspired by your work, um, and I'm really excited about future conversations with you all. Um, If you want to learn more about The Backpack Project, you can visit thebackpackproject.ngo. Or you can just email me at info at nylc.org and I'll make sure you get connected. And I do want to say, like, when we utilize service learning as a strategy to engage young people, we can see how impactful programs like the Backpack Project are, not only in the communities that you serve, but to the young people who are part of them. Um, It's more than just a backpack. It's that emotional connection, that something that we all need and deserve. And so there were so many great ideas and inspiration and connections that you shared today. So again, just thank you all for being here and for sharing your stories. I also want to thank our listeners. Um, If you missed the start of today's show or you'd like to access prior shows, visit our homepage on the Voice of America Empowerment Radio. Or, of course, just download our podcast. We're available um, on all your favorite um, podcast apps. Next Thursday, um, we're going to have a great discussion with the students and staff from the New York City Department of Youth and Community Development. So these young people are creating a youth agenda to help inform mayoral candidates about their views and priorities. So we're going to talk youth voice and civic action. So join me at 6 o'clock Eastern next Thursday to hear even more inspiring stories. And until next week, join us as we serve, learn, change the world. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to the power of young people to change the world. Your host, Amy Muirs, will return for another program next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll serve, learn, change the world. 